Hey friends, this is Methodist Musing, where we discuss important issues and topics uh, which Christians should be thinking about. Today we're talking in general, uh, a high-level way, about the intersection of Christ and culture, or how Christians can interact with the culture around us. And my name is John Duff, the assistant pastor here at Centenary United Methodist Church in Danville, Kentucky. And I'm Chris Morgan. I am the senior pastor here at Centenary United Methodist in Danville, Kentucky. Yeah, so it's good to have you. And we also have Kathy here with us. So. Hi, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Hey, Kathy. Thanks for being with us. She is oops, she brimming is. with enthusiasm today. I, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like Kathy didn't get a lot of sleep last night. No, I didn't. Mm. Is, it, is it fall break? It is fall break this week. Yeah. So no homework, kind of? So, or is there yeah. homework? No I still, new homework. Still don't feel like <laughs> is the is the camera good? Okay, yeah, right I feel right. like it's tilted a little bit, but that's okay. No, Anyways, just, I'm sitting sideways. Okay, that's a problem. So we like to start off with asking how our week has been. So Chris, how's your week been, and how's your weekend? Um, well, the week has been pretty good, and the weekend was good. Uh, college student, my. Uh, middle son has been visiting over the weekend and he has gone back now to college and uh, my daughter is visiting now from uh, southern Kentucky so glad to have her around that's cool that's great awesome and you Kathy how have you been you said you're tired today but did you have a good weekend I did have a good weekend did you do anything unique or fun mm. or Paxton do anything I was here on Saturday for direct, we finally finished up directory pictures yeah there you go oh yeah you were working a lot this weekend thanks to everybody who was doing yeah. directory pictures yeah that will be helpful for all of us mm -hmm. and big thank you to Kathy for Mike Leak what Mike Leak Mike Leak yep. thank you Mike Leak I have not met Mike Leak I don't think I think you have either or you might have been passing but it's a cool name because it Mike Leak was a pitcher for the Reds a few years back as well so not the same Mike Leak, but anyway. Well, you haven't met him yet, yeah. so you don't really know. <laughs> it could be. It could be the same guy. <laughs> but anyways, thanks, Mike Leak. Yeah. Yeah, cool, sweet. Well, and I went hiking this weekend, which was very fun. I hiked up a very tall mountain and then back down and back down. Both were difficult, but back down was annoying. Because uh, once you get to the top, you get an awesome view, and you're like, oh, it was worth it. But then you got to go back down, so that was annoying. But it was also very fun and a good time with friends at the same time. So, um, yeah, so that's how we're doing. Um, if you're watching us, let us know how you're doing and how your week's going. Hi, Jennifer um, Clark. Jennifer Clark's here. Awesome. Hi, Jennifer. Good to see you. So, anything else? Green Bay won last night. I was excited about that. Kathy doesn't care about football. Not at least Green Bay football. I like Green Bay football. But anyways, so you want to lead us into our goofy news topic Our today? goofy news topic today is that in London, there have been five parrots that have been taken off of public view because suddenly these parrots began cursing one another out and also cursing at 
visitors and Ooh, it man. just became incredibly obnoxious and so, I can't quote the parrots for one of the first times yeah, I can't quote the parrots not allowed to no so you said uh, away from public view where were they exactly well they were uh, in a British wildlife park uh, where they had sort of taken up residence and um, they started using various expletives and in a short period of time they began swearing at each other oh, and uh, that's not good. one of the <laughs> one of the folks that managed the park uh, talks about how well they just uh, it, it, it was a really easy bunch of vocabulary to learn and yeah. so the birds would utter quote anything you can think of and so um, Many customers enjoyed it. Uh, they thought it was funny. The visitors were giving them back as much as they were giving to them, oh. the guy says. But uh, I guess it became too disruptive. And so these parrots have had to be rehomed, relocated. So where did they learn all this language from? I don't know. That's what a lot of parents ask their kids. So was it? Yeah, that's true. And what, the kid's answer is usually you. Did all the parrots come from the same place? Uh, I don't. And like the owner taught them bad words on purpose? or Hard to tell. Maybe it was the workers. They didn't give a whole lot of background on, on the parrots, okay. but they found it really easy to, to learn curse words. So parrots yeah. can be like kids picking up on your words. Oh, yeah. They absolutely. Over and over again. So that was our goofy news story. That's... That's very goofy, I thought. <laughs> I don't... Do you like birds? Do I like birds? Yeah. I am not a bird particular bird, bird fan. Bird. Although I have gone bird watching before. I was going to say, bird watching, I don't mind. Would I own a bird? Probably not. But I have yeah. friends who own birds. Yeah. They enjoy them. That's but I have cool. a cat, too, so that... Cats and birds are not the an excellent mix. No. Eat the bird. Well, I... Um, I don't like necessarily enjoy bird watching, but I was driving from Bowling Green to Franklin about a year and a half ago, and I saw my first bald eagle in the wild. Oh, that's he was cool. sitting in a in a leafless tree yeah. uh, about 200 yards from the, the roadway, and uh, I stopped wow. and watched him in Southern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect that. I guess that's cool. Now, my daughter has uh, two bald eagles that live. Like right near her home. Oh, neat. That occasionally are seen when uh, the sky is cloudy. Yeah. Is the bald eagle still going extinct, or is it like, what's what do they call the it? Endangered, right? endangered list. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad to me that there are animals on the endangered list that they're mm -hmm. going away. Fair enough, so. so, I don't know what we can do, but we're not trying to teach birds curse words. Yes. They can learn that themselves. Birds birds can learn that from somebody else other yeah. other than yeah. from us. So that was a goofy news story. We like to do those just to, you know, give you something different to think about and um besides all the crazy other stuff going on in the world. And so. there's plenty of other crazy stuff going on yeah. in the world. Yeah. And we can talk a little bit about uh, just the world in general. Yeah. Uh, we can talk a little bit about how Christians interact with the world, and that's a little more sophisticated, I think, than most people um, give it credit for, you know? There's yeah. there's a sophistication in Christian 
interaction with the world or any particular Christian's interaction with the world. And so, uh, yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about this because, like, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, how we as Christians, besides how we relate to God, but how we as Christians should relate to the wo- world around us and to our culture uh, of which we're a part. Um, so we decided to talk about this in uh, kind of painting a picture of different ways that we see Christians interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. And so Chris and I are going to kind of paint those pictures and then we're going to critique them, giving you know positives and negatives to it. And you'll be able to pick up on, oh, yeah, that makes sense, or, oh, yeah, I know what, I've seen that before. Um, And then we're going to, at the end, try to give our, like, this is the way that we think Christians should interact with the world based on Scripture. John and Chris's preferred manner of interaction with the world. And it's not just us. It's the way Jesus did it. So we're going to try to be like Jesus. So it's right. absolutely right, of course. Well, yes, it's um, our take it on is. Jesus, I guess, right? Our take on Jesus. That's, that's right. Some others would have different takes on Jesus, but hopefully we're close to what it is. Well, so jump into the first one here, where, cool. like, the the first way of, of Christians interacting with the world is uh, those people of faith who, who find the world to be a frightening place. And they find the values of the world, um, they find things that happen in the world, just things that that they don't really want to be a part of. And so as a result of that, they kind of hide away and they create a subculture of of some kind. And um, it's, it's almost like the world exists here and then we have our own subculture and we don't leave unless we have to. but when we have to, we do as little as we can interacting between the two. Yeah, and it's mainly predicated on this idea of, like, the world's a scary place, and I might get harmed or I might be affected by them if I interact with the world and the culture. I might lose my faith. Yeah, and I might maybe um, I might become stained by some type of sin or, or whatnot. But I have a great illustration of this that um, I used once in a sermon a couple years ago was... Uh, so there was one time where I was, uh, I had gone to the grocery store and I was coming home and I got out of my car and I was getting my groceries, um, to go into the house. It was, it was night and it was dark and I heard, I heard this bark in the neighborhood and I was like, Oh, that's strange. And then I didn't do anything. And then I heard the bark again, a little louder. And so I was like, that's strange again. So, so I looked up and I looked, um, over and uh, a couple houses down in the, on the sidewalk, there was this big black dog who was not on a leash and had no owner in sight. And it started running towards me. And um, me, I was uh, at first taken with fright. And I was scared because this big black dog was bounding towards me with no like leash or anything. You were doggone frightened. <laughs> I was doggone frightened. So I grabbed the groceries and I got inside as fast as I could and I closed the door right as the dog got to like my front door and I was like whew got in and so now there's this door this barrier between me and the dog and the dog is not gonna hurt me and I can just put my groceries away and I forget if I still had other groceries in the car like if I needed to go back and get more but I was not about to go out there with that scary dog right 
And so the the story is just like this example of the way sometimes we treat the world and the way we treat others around us and in our culture of sometimes we automatically assume that something different than us is this big scary thing because that dog like what if that dog wasn't like okay that dog could have like wanted to eat me like he could have been like he or she could have been like I want to eat this human. But most likely not. Most like, I mean, the dog also could have been like a very kind, friendly dog and maybe looking for help and wanting a human to like help it find its home. And what if it just wanted to, you know, kiss me? Or maybe it was hungry and was like, hey, can you give me some groceries? Food? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, so instead of thinking of it like that, I thought of the dog as a scary thing that I needed to put a wall in between me and the dog. And so, so often we as Christians want to put this wall in between ourselves and others that are different than us or the culture around us. And we assume that they're dangerous or something is dangerous and that if we interact with these people or that type of person, we're going to get hurt or, or something along those lines. Rather than being like, what if this person, what if, what if I could help this person what if i could love this person and what if this person isn't quite as scary as maybe they seem does that make sense chris it makes sense like can you think of any ways that like as we're critiquing this like what's true about this what's what's something that that is authentically um worth being concerned about that this worldview offers uh well it is true that the world and the culture around us is there's sin in the world and that we ought to be careful about that and critical about the sin in the world and say the sin is wrong. It's also true that the world in general is broken and that we can be hurt by interacting with the world. And that's true too, right? So there are things to be afraid of. Yeah. There, there, there are aspects of culture. There are aspects of, of certain parts of culture. You know, you think about the... Uh, the drug war, for example, that has mm-hmm. has um, been less effective, I think, than anybody 40 years or so ago would have would have imagined. Um, but you know, I've I've lost people that I know to uh, to overdoses, and and uh, yeah, it's it's a hard you know, it, you want to protect your children, for example. Yeah, like you you don't want to send your children to a place where where this is and open thing that is happening. Yeah. Um, and so there is this protective impulse that, mm-hmm. that I can absolutely uh, understand to, to some degree that, yeah. that there is danger out there. And yeah. the danger is not just, the, the danger is deadly. It, 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 it's not always deadly, but it can be deadly to yeah. the body or the soul. Yeah, and I, I and I do think uh, a lot of this does get worked out in our, our, especially our youth culture in the Christian church because like, we love to like set up an alternate culture for our youth to be a part of like all of Christian music. It's like, okay, let's let our youth just listen to Christian music and, and none of this quote unquote secular music, um, which isn't a horror. I'm not saying this is horrible. I'm just saying this is the way sometimes it gets worked out or like um, they have to be insulated and all our friends have to be Christian or whatnot. Sometimes this is the way it gets worked out. And, and I kind of grew up kind of in this type of culture in a way we but um also i think what's true of our churches is that and what maybe this view can teach us is that 
instead of like sometimes we can just fall into a bubble of we're just surrounded by Christians and Christian culture, and sometimes we need to go and seek um, the to interact with those who are not like us and those who we uh, can love and have a positive influence on, right? So a negative critique would be that we can fall into this bubble and we can become uh, somewhat less useful, I guess, maybe for, yeah. for God, for, yeah. for kingdom purposes. Yeah, and, and but, but the thing is, like, God didn't bring us into knowledge of him into into relationship with him for us to like set up this fortress and just be with just christians and to just wait until he comes back right that's not the plan so that's that was our first kind of view and by the way for those of you who are real nerds here uh reinhold niebuhr has this book christ and culture everything we're talking about here like it's, is it would fall under Reinhold Niebuhr's one of the five um, ways that he views Christ and culture interacting. Um, but we've come up with uh, with uh, each of these would, would be under one of his categories, but they're a little more uh, colloquially stated as yeah. opposed to academically. So, so the first kind of way Christians interact, and we see Christian is they find a world a frightening place. They kind of set up their own culture. They hide away until hopefully Jesus comes back and saves them from this scary world. So that's the first one. The second one is is somewhat similar to that in that Christians uh, set up kind of their own culture, and uh, but they're more engaging with the culture around them. But the way they do that is they try to use, uh, they pressure the culture to become more like them, and they try to use their cultural power um, to then overpower the world around them. Uh, does that make sense, Chris? To exert, yeah, they use, they use the power they have to try to exert influence over the culture. Yeah. And um, we had talked about ways that that, that could be conceived, and there, there's one that we've all studied in history. Yeah. Um, which is, is prohibition. Um, you know, very early on in the 20th century, we had this grand experiment in prohibition where uh, we had we had people who uh, largely Protestants, yeah. uh, largely we would consider to be uh, early evangelicals yeah. uh, that that believed that the consumption of alcohol was a societal sin, and consequently uh, worked to to take that particular viewpoint and to pressure the nation. Um, to follow suit yeah yeah and so and well part of the issue with that is like well prohibition didn't really work too well for one thing and um i also think it's using power cultural power um in a way that is trying to force something upon someone else which normally just doesn't work right that's part of the issue with it is using power to try to influence someone normally just doesn't work and secondly i also think it's not necessarily the way that jesus would have us interact with the culture like when we interact with the culture we need to think about okay maybe these are the truths or these are the morals or ethics we hold but how would jesus go about trying to love and influence someone into these rather than trying to force these like prohibition was forced upon uh the nation does that make sense 
uh, the dictation of what someone must or must not do. You know, authentic conversion is not usually dictated. If Jesus wishes to change our hearts, um, yeah, it's like I think of the forced baptisms uh, in the yeah, past as, yeah. as conquered peoples were forced to convert. Um, the degree to which that conversion was real and the degree to which it was just on paper. Um, you, know, you can imagine it was on paper far more often than it was in the heart. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, again, this view is basically like Christians having their own cultural views and ethics and, and basically trying to force those upon others through using their power and it kind of creates a, a power struggle in the culture um, in, in, in a way, right? And so what are, but what are, we also said we wanted to say something like positive about, so what could be like the positives? Because we've given kind of the negatives and the critique. Well, the positives are that like there there are ways that human beings can live that bring authentic flourishing to the human person. Mm -hmm. um, and that society, you might say society's job in some sense is to promote those things that contribute yeah. to human flourishing. And um, that if we can discover that, then it would be, uh, it would be almost an obligation to, to promote things in certain ways. Yeah, and this view as compared to the last, the last view is like just hide away. There's almost no engagement with culture. This view encourages us to engage in culture, engage in politics to try to affect the tra trajectory of our society. And I think that's a positive step, right? Because I think mm -hmm. Jesus would have us engage in culture and, and politics in a way that helps the society takes positive steps um, in the right direction, right? So I think that's that's a good thing about this second, although it's not what we recommend or, or what we feel like is truly uh, what God would call us to. And so you want to hit the third yeah, view? Yeah, the, the third is this kind of um, Christian embrace of the culture uncritically with, without the guidance of faith. Yeah. And so ideally, um, if we are Christians the faith guides us, uh, faith that God has made us, faith that God has saved us, faith that whatever the sin is that that uh, infects our hearts, yeah. that, that God is remaking us and, and saving us from that. And so um, the embrace of culture uncritically without the guidance of faith. And uh, an, a historical example of this, um, yeah. We were we were talking earlier about uh, the the ways that that slavery in the 1800s um, was justified using uh, scriptural argumentation. Yeah. Um, the ways that the treatment of slaves were were justified, and even the institution itself um, was certainly an uncritical embrace. Yeah. Of of a part of culture that was was incredibly problematic, and and to be honest, it's all it's it's in some ways most people would today would look back at that and be like, it's so obvious that slavery is not what God would ordain or be okay with. Like the God of the Bible is not okay with that, and especially that that type of slavery and the way that they were treating African Americans. Um, God's not okay with slavery. 
and and it's somewhat easy for us to see but we have to realize that we live in a vastly different culture now than 200 years ago um in, in a way that it's it's our culture condemns that uh, whereas they were just kind of letting the cultural values kind of shape bleed into their lives and, and they didn't um they didn't think critically or allow like even many people just just were kind of apathetic towards it right and so like now we say of course it's obvious and that was a blind spot in their culture of, of those in the in the south and even many in the north that did not condemn slavery um and and so yeah yeah they accepted uncritically the world that they lived in yeah and and in many ways did not allow the teachings of their faith to uh to influence what they what they thought about that yeah and, and the the a more recent example would be you know the 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 way that the well, sexual quick, quick plug wednesday night in a week we're going to talk about the book of philemon and that talks about slavery a little bit because you know it's interesting in the south when they talked about slavery they said well tell us where in the bible god condemned slavery because um, the bible's not absolutely completely clear about that um, but we're talking about Philemon, and you'll learn more about that on Wednesday night if you come out. Not this Wednesday, not tomorrow, but in a week. So ten, do that. Ten, yeah. ten, right? But yeah. So what's the other Is example? A Wednesday. It's ten fourteen. <laughs> ten fourteen. Ten fourteen. Yes. <laughs> Kathy's like going like this right now. Well, the other <laughs> no, example would be just uh, the the way that the sexual revolution of this of the sixties has affected um, just views of 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 how uh yeah like the church had a had a pretty clear teaching of yeah. of uh sexual ethics prior to that which was influenced from a hundred different directions uh mm -hmm. following that and so we have to continue to, to deal even even here 60 years later uh with what does being a christian mean for for how i live out um my faith and yeah. so ultimately do we allow culture to to tell us what is or isn't true uncritically or yeah. do we seek the guidance of, of faith on those things yeah yeah um, absolutely. but the embrace the the uncritical embrace of culture is also uh so what's what's the positive of this of this embrace let's let's forget the uncritical word that's a negative okay. word yeah uh, what would be positive about, about and, this well it it um I didn't really think this through yet, but <laughs> um, uh, thinking about, you know, engaging with the culture and being a part of the culture, like that's a very positive thing. And I think that's what we see God wanting us to, to, to be a, in the culture and to be part of the world around us and not just hidden away. Right. And, 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 and maybe there's even in this, there are good parts of the culture that we can embrace because not every cultural movement is bad cultural. Yeah, movement. exactly. Like you know, the civil rights movements, like that was actually led by primarily evangelical Christians, and so there's so many, there's so much good about our culture, and, and when we see the new heavens and the the new earth, I, I think we see lots of pieces of good parts of human culture in that uh, the the new city of Jerusalem and. Uh, we can embrace those good pieces of culture. Is that a fair answer? That's fair. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. But not not every movement of culture is a bad movement, and yeah. um, to 
to discern what is positive and what is not, what is Christian and what is not, what is what is compatible with Christianity versus what is problematic. Um, those those yeah. discernments need to be made, but we, we mustn't automatically think that that any cultural movement is something that has to be opposed by yeah. by Christians. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so those are the three views that we or or positions that we often see. The one where the first one where we see the world as a scary place and we just hide away and just cross our fingers, Jesus is coming to get us. Kind of a fortress mentality. The second is where Christians kind of create their own culture and they struggle with the culture around them to have more power and to set up uh, this influence through power. And the third is kind of an uncritical embrace of culture uh, where we allow culture to shape us more than um, uh, more than our faith or our scripture. And can I, I'll just say something real quick to there. Unfortunately, today, m- uh, much of what I see in people's politics is more affected by the news they watch than the Bible they read. Um, and I think that's one way in which it is put is put out there today. Um, and you can almost tell based on what people talk about, what news channel they watch. Um, but they don't bring those issues to scripture or their faith. And maybe I'm walking on thin ice there, but I really believe that, that we need to think, critically in our politics and uh, bring our Bible to the politic world. Not as a Bible thumper, but as a, our faith. You get that? Well, bring it sense? bring it to the political world. Bring it to the kitchen table. Bring yeah. it to the fr- to, to our friendships. Uh, yeah. Bring it to our, our workplaces. I mean, there's, yeah. there's this, the Bible can influence life. Yeah. And does influence life. And we yeah. needn't leave it out. So we've had positive and negatives of these. So our last example is the way we think Christians ought to, and the way, I'll say it this way, the way that we see Jesus entering the world, and the kind of the phrase that we would use, or or the word that we would use to describe this, is incarnational living, right? So you want to talk about that a little bit? Incarnation, like the idea that the second person of the Trinity has like actually entered into time and history and not afraid to engage um, with people who are really different yeah. than him um, not afraid to enter uh, a sphere where he was with his own people but then also unusual for a Jew of his day uh, would would also interact with the Samaritan woman at the well mm-hmm. You know, there's there's this incarnation. There's this going and being with people, um, being with people like like the tax collectors and the Pharisees that others didn't much care for him visiting yeah, with. Yeah. You know, so so he made an effort to be with people. So so Jesus wasn't afraid of. And uh, of in his day, many like the Pharisees were afraid of the sinfulness or the dirtiness of what someone like the woman at the well would have would get on them, as if they would be infected by that sinfulness. And Jesus wasn't afraid of that. Well, and Jesus was almost the other way. Yeah, Jesus yeah. believed or, or seemed to operate under the belief that that instead of impurity jumping onto purity. Yes, yeah. That somehow the presence of the Son of God holiness sanctified yes the people around him. Absolutely. And, and, and that's a huge deal. 
made made a difference in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so so an incarnational uh, approach um, is is that Jesus enters into time and space and enters into places that are uncomfortable for uh, a lot of people to go. But but he does it. He gets his hands dirty. He gets tired. Uh, he gets hungry. He gets uh, you know mm-hmm. Jesus is is sleeping in the middle of a storm because he's absolutely worn out. Uh, yeah. You know, Jesus' human nature is as, as uh, gets as worn out as, as mine or yours or, or Kathy's, who's over there yawning in the background because... And, yeah. And, and when I tired. think of incarnation, I also think of, like, God's... It's, it's God saying yes again to his world. Like, he... Okay, God created the world, and then we as humans kind of mess things up, right? That's our understanding of the way it is but the incarnation is jesus entering in and a second time saying yes i'm gonna choose these people who are sinful who i am very clearly going to be hurt by um but i'm gonna choose to love them anyways and it's not just for my good it's for their good i'm gonna choose them for their good and so i think as christians we love the world around us and in our culture we can say, okay, I was born here, like, I didn't really choose this culture, I didn't choose even my family or my neighbors, but I can, as Jesus chose to come in the incarnation, I can choose to incarnate, to to, to choose this culture and to choose to love this world again, even though I'm placed here, I can choose out of my own volition to be a part of this culture, uh, to work for the good of the world, to work for the good of the culture around us, and, uh, we can do that um, in so many ways, in positive ways. And um, I mean, examples of we can do that. We can do that through, you know, people, Christians being a part of uh, the world as, as teachers and impacting kids, being a part of the world as policemen and helping bring order to the world, being the part of the world, uh, part of the world in the arts and bringing beauty and, and, and goodness in, in that sense into the world as well. And so there are so many ways that we can engage the culture we can and um, and appreciate the culture and then work for the good of the world around us even if that means even if that doesn't mean another coming to faith that means we're still working for the good of the other right does that make sense Chris we're still blessing the world because we love Jesus yeah and yes we are we are going to places because Jesus sends us into the world um, yeah yeah absolutely so, so so what's your critique of that well, I don't really have a critique of that because that's, <laughs> because that's our viewpoint, and we're right. Yeah. You, well, there you go. Well, exactly. What we what we <laughs> I hopefully see in Jesus, you you critique that. Go. Yeah. My critique of that would be that that there are some people who are very strong in their faith. Yeah. Who can who yep. can go into the world and remain strong in their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there are other people who who are not so strong who can can make an incarnational argument for, for being in in certain places and culture and yeah. and end up shipwrecked in their yeah. in their faith. We can this can we can talk about this for a long time. Yeah. Which which is the important of having what you're talking about is the importance of having a community of faith that we can in some sense retreat from and gain our solid ground mm-hmm. and then be again sent out into the world. 
And so you should come to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> but um, And Bible study on yeah. Wednesday nights. Yeah. And all yeah. of these things help us to to get the strength and the community to to be uh, to be a person who can go as as an incarnation of the love of God to yes. different places. And so to interact with the world in a positive incarnational Christian way, we need to have an extremely strong relationship with God and with a relationship a relationship with our community of faith around us to to ground us and to help us stay rooted in that faith rather than going out and then more not really influencing others, but being influenced by mm-hmm. others. Like, do, do we go out and do Bible studies, you know, in, in the bar or wherever, and do we end up more like the bar people, or do they end up more like us? And so that's kind of um, what Chris is hitting at, right? Sweet. Sounds good. Well, this is a topic that I really love to talk about, and we love to talk about, as you can tell by our um, ability to talk about this, but we want to encourage you uh to, to think about the way that you uh, um, have maybe lived your life and kind of maybe you can see one of these pieces of, oh, sometimes I fall into that category, uh, but to encourage you to, to love the world incarnationally uh, the way that we would say we think Jesus did and, and the way he's calling us to. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. It, what are um, some of the things coming up for us here at the church? Well, this is going to be uh, fall break week, and we will not have Wednesday evening on fall break. Uh, But one week from tomorrow, we will begin a three-week series on seldom-read books of the Bible, one of them being Philemon, which we talked a bit about how um, in the 1800s, slavery was... uh, was seen as, as a biblical institution, and uh, a look at Philemon will challenge that, yeah. will challenge the assumption that in the first century, um, slavery was considered to be okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, we have a camp out this Friday, October 9th. Go to our webpage and sign up online. That's a great way. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, sign up and come out. It's going to be a fun night, even if you don't want to spend the night camping with us. Uh, you can come out for the activities. We're going to have uh, fun games, campfire, movie. It's going to be a great time of community and fun together. We want your blood. It is <laughs> heading toward uh, the 31st of October, and we do, in fact, want to be a little vampirish. We've got a blood drive coming up on the 25th of October yeah. from uh, noon to 4. Can't Sign up for that. Blood. <laughs> Sign up for that, and you will get a COVID antibodies test oh. uh, as a part of that, so That's you'll know. Back when I felt bad in, in April, did I have it? Well, you can... Find out the answer to that. If you had it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Cool. And then lastly, come out Sunday morning to worship with us, either in person or online. We have 9 o'clock and 11.15 services. Uh, but yeah, it's important to be part of a Christian community and to be grounded in your faith as we engage with the world. So come out. Um, we would love to have you as a part of the Centenary family. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, season one of our podcast show uh, continues next week at 1220 it's going to be episode five pretty sure next week we're going to have paul on the show our newest faculty member or staff member whatever you call staff member and we're excited to talk with paul 
and share with you all about him. So it's been fun to be with you all and chat and have this conversation. If you want to have, if you want to email us about things too, or with questions, or if you just want to chat about things, me and Chris love talking about these things, as is obvious. <laughs> so um, do that. But I think Chris is going to send us out with a blessing. So would you go ahead and send us out, Chris? Dear friends, as you go into the world to interact with the people God places in your life, may the Lord guide you give you strength and courage, and may you remember who you are today, tomorrow, and in all your days to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, guys. <laughs>